Hello and welcome back to the Scenario 7 podcast. My name is Sam and today I'm joined by my lovely co-host, it's Matt Collier. Matt, how are you doing, mate? I'm doing good, thank you, Sam. The iconic duo is back for another one. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm all good. You're completely right. It seems to be us two a lot at the moment. It's a quite iconic duo. And today we're bringing you a preview of an iconic track, that being the Monaco Grand Prix. We will be previewing it for the race on Sunday. But before we get into talking about the track and our predictions, first of all, let's play Have I Got F1 News For You. This is the game where... We look at a news item from the week that's just been. And first of all, Matt has to guess the missing word. And then we discuss the issue it brings up. So let's get straight into it. The headline, and I'll read it twice, is from Planet F1. And it is Nui, and then uh, colon, F1 cars are heading in the blank direction i'll read it again Nui f1 cars are heading in the blank direction matt what do you uh, think wrong direction he's, he's got it first time i said to matt before the podcast there's very few things it could be but yeah you've got it first time red bulls adrian Nui has said rule changes in regards to the weight of the car and making the sport go in the wrong direction um, the move uh, towards increasingly heavy, heavy vehicles goes against what Nui describes as his ideal F1 regulations. And he said he would prefer low weight and aerodynamic efficiency. What do you think, Matt? What direction do you think F1 cars should be going in? Do you think they should be heavy and less aerodynamic or low weight and more aerodynamic? Um, it's a difficult one. Um these cars aren't anywhere near as fast as they were a few years ago, so we're not breaking any new lap records, but it's very clear that these new regulations allow cars to follow a lot closer and there's just been generally better racing. Um, there's still quite a few issues, you know, all the porpoising kind of stuff. Um, but I do feel like it is getting in the right direction um, regarding racing, it's just a few issues that they need to sort out. So, yeah, that's what I think about the, the issue. Yeah, you are right. The racing this year has definitely improved. I think the issue with having heavier cars is that you've got to... They're going to be more heavy on top of the regulations because you need safety. When you have these heavier cars, it means that in high-speed collisions, then more damage can be done compared to with more aerodynamic, low-weight cars. It's because of how light the cars are, they could do less damage when making contact or something like that. So from a safety point of view, it's an interesting conversation to be had. But just looking from what the new cars are bringing this year the following is a lot better and it just seems to be a better car compared to in previous years, despite it not being as fast and low weight. So I think it's something that we should watch over the next few years, what happens with the regulations, because of course we are in the first year of this era, but 
it's something we're going to have to keep an eye on and then it'll be easier to answer it in the future. But now let's move on to why we are here and that's previewing the Monaco Grand Prix starting with the track. The Circuit, circuit de Monaco is a 3.3-kilometre circuit with one DRS zone, 19 corners and 78 laps. Matt, what do you think about this track? Um, yeah, it's, it's very difficult to overtake, but um, it's more about the glitz and the glamour and the history of Monaco. Um, all the yachts, a casino, um, there's, a lot, there's a lot of discussion whether it should be removed on the calendar. Um, I've already explained it's one of those ones which is so iconic that it just has to stay. And yeah, it's still prov- provided many uh, great races and great memories. Um, for, to name a few, Charles Leclerc, his horrible record at Monaco, um, Ricardo's redemption, uh, Bottas's pit stop conundrum. So there's there's still plenty of uh, memories from Monaco that can always be quite funny <laughs> to look at. Yeah, it certainly is an iconic circuit. Very narrow, many elevation changes, and a lot of tight corners. Nelson Piquet once described it driving around Monaco as like riding a bicycle around your living room. And I think that describes it perfectly for just how tough it is. It is iconic, but does lack overtaking and is definitely one of the most strategy heavy tracks on the calendar. The 2003 Grand Prix witnessed a grand total of zero passing moves, which kind of emphasises how much overtaking really goes on. I mean, that was very rare. We definitely have some overtaking. It's never been as bad as zero passing moves. And with the new cars, hopefully it will help, even though the track doesn't suit it. Hopefully we'll see not an abundance more. I don't think we'll see that, but hopefully we'll see a few more, definitely. But, yeah, iconic circuit, very tight, very narrow, and hopefully the new cars, we can see some more exciting racing. But now it's time to pass over to Matt for a Monaco track guide using the F1 2021 game. Hello, welcome back to the Scenario 7 track guide. Today we're going to be looking at the magnificent Monaco Grand Prix circuit. So let's get into it. So here we are, the magnificent Monaco Grand Prix circuit, which is three sectors and one DRS zone. It's extremely difficult to overtake, with just 19 corners at this track. The drivers will be very close to the barrier at every corner. So without further ado, let's get into the track. So as we approach the main straight, heading into turn one, very difficult braking zone, seventh gear, down to third gear, get as close as you can to the barrier and you go up the hill. So as we climb up through the gears, past Massimo, round the corner, past turn four the casino, we approach a very tricky, difficult section of the circuit, the tightest corner of the circuit, go down to first gear, nice and close those barriers, up to second, Slowest corner of the track, it's all about rotation. Through the corner we go. Approaching turn seven, all about momentum. We keep it in second, close to the barrier if possible. And we go through the tunnel, easy flat, through Portier, turn eight, through the tunnel, turn nine. Seventh gear, down to first gear. Kiss those inside barriers as close as you can, nice and easy. Through one of the most iconic corners. Turn 10 and 11, as we now approach the most iconic part of the track, turns 13, 14, 
Waifu there, up to 15 16. Very tricky breaking zone. Down into first gear, get that rotation. Past 17, approaching 18, keep it in third gear. Past 19, up to line. And that is a lap for Monaco Grand Prix second. Thank you, Matt. Let's look at last year's race in Monaco. It had a few iconic moments and it started in qualifying when Charles Leclerc secured pole after crashing, causing a red flag. This meant that Verstappen lined up second, Bottas third, and a big shock with Lewis Hamilton lining up in seventh. Leclerc, though, did DNF on the formation lap with a gearbox issue caused by the crash. On lap 31, Valtteri Bottas DNF during his pit stop with a stripped wheel nut, which has got to be one of the unluckiest DNFs I've seen. On lap 32, a poor Mercedes strategy meant that Hamilton got stuck behind Gasly and Vettel in P7. And on lap 52, Lando Norris lapped Daniel Ricciardo in a very tough moment for Daniel Ricciardo during a tough first season, I think it's fair to say, at McLaren. Max Verstappen won the race with Carlos Sainz in second and Lando Norris in third, putting together a pretty cool podium we had become accustomed to before last season, I have to admit, a very similar podium. It was always Hamilton, Bottas and Verstappen. But it's cool to have a new podium. It's a very young podium with Sainz being the oldest driver. And then Hamilton got the fastest lap but stayed in seventh. Matt, what is a memory you have from the last race? Um, there's so many to choose from. Um, that podium finished last year was also the same as 2011 with Red Bull winning a Ferrari second and McLaren third. Um, but from my memory, uh, it has to be lap 32, touched upon it briefly already, um, when Vettel came out of the pits. Um, Gasly was side by side going up turn two and the TV director thought, no, we've got more important things to show. Let's show uh, Lance Stroll going over, um, what corner was it? Just past the swimming pool. No one near him. They were like, yeah, let's, let's show that. That's, re- that's more important. And Crofty was like, we need to know what's happened. And then it just the Stroll graphic comes up. And it was, yeah, that weekend was a bit of a disaster for the broadcasting um, at Monaco. So, uh, yeah, that was that was my memory from last year. Yeah, that produced just probably, if not if not one of the the most iconic memes from last season. It was so funny. That was replayed on TikTok. It was on everything for so long. And yeah, that really was an iconic moment. That was very funny. The memory I've gone for is Charles Leclerc's controversial poll. I mentioned it earlier. But Charles Leclerc put his car on pole on the Saturday with a decent lap, but then ended up going into a wall at turn 16, causing a red flag. And this would have been all right if lots of his rivals weren't putting in purple sectors when he was went into a wall, which en- ended quality full stop, so no one else could put 
a lap time in, it meant that a lot of cars were misplaced as, um, from where they should potentially be with how fast their car is. There's a lot of people that thought he did it deliberately. They were convinced, but it didn't really matter in the end as he broke down on the formation lap, which was such a, a strange a strange set of events that had a lot of people up in uproar. But that was my memory of the last race. Now let's go to the predictions. And before we move on to what we're predicting for Monaco, let's look at the table after Spain. This, again, I have to remind you, it's done on averages, not on points, because it allows the people that can't come on all the time due to work commitments or other commitments can still be competing for the top of the table. But the person at the top of the table keeps his place, and that is you, Matt. Matt, you are top. Your average has come down from 3.6 to 3.3 after getting two points in Spain, but you're still very strong at the top of the table, with second place being Joe on 2.3 points. So you've still got an average lead of one point, Matt. So you're staying strong. I'm in third still on 2.2 points. I got two points in Spain, the same amount as you, but staying the same. In fourth is Josh on one point, and fifth is Robert on 0.5. Now, for these predictions, we do five predictions before predicting the podium. These predictions are first accident, first safety car slash red flag, which there wasn't in Spain, first pit stop, first blue flag, and most overtakes. For all of these, you have to say what driver and a lap that it happened, do you think it will happen on? or for most overtakes, the driver, and how many overtakes you think they will do. So I'll get us started. I'll get the ball rolling. For first accident, I've gone Kevin Magnussen lap one. And it's nothing more than he was the driver that caused, was involved in the accident in Spain on lap one. So I've gone for him again. I don't have much logic with most of these, to be honest. It's just guessing a driver guessing the lap and hoping to get the points but you can kind of see the drivers that are involved in a lot of the incidents so that's why I've chosen these drivers for first safety car slash red flag I've gone Zhou Guan Yu on lap one again not much logic behind it first pit stop stroll Lance stroll lap one just spreading my guesses around drivers that I think could be involved in early collisions. For first blue flag, I've gone Nicholas Latifi, lap 40. He has been lapped so many times this year and has been the first to be lapped most times this year. So that's why I've gone for him on lap 40. And for most overtakes, I've gone for Sergio Perez with four. And I do have a bit of logic for this. So... The driver that I think will get most overtakes will be a driver in a car that will have a mare in qualifying, a nightmare in qualifying, but is very quick. And Sergio Perez, despite being in the Red Bull, qualified 11th last year. So he is prone to not 
doing very well around Monaco. And it's so important to get qualifying right at this track because of the lack of overtaking. So that's my logic for it. I've got gone Sergio Perez with four. But Matt, who have you gone for for your five predictions? Um, there's a few common ones. Uh, I think we know which one of them are going to be. Um, first, uh, accident. Uh, I've gone with Latifi lap one. Uh, first, safety car slash red flag. Gone with uh, Joe Wan Yu, uh, lap one. Uh, first pit stop, Kevin Magnussen, lap one. Um, first blue flag, uh, I've gone with Latifi, lap 30. Um, I was doing some research of last year. I think the first blue flag was around lap 32. So I've gone lap 30 for this uh, this race. And then finally, most overtakes. Um, I've gone with Fernando Alonso just because I feel like he's always really good at the start and might get a few positions off the start. And he's normally quite good at overtaking. So we've gone with Alonso with two overtakes. Some interesting predictions. Just two overtakes for the most overtakes is very bold. But as we've mentioned a few times, it is hard to overtake here. Now let's look at the podium. And Matt, I know you have a strategy for getting the podium. So I want you to go first because I've switched it up a bit. Who is your podium from third place to first? Well, I I have also switched it up. I think this is a very big race for Charles Leclerc. Uh, it's either going to be redemption or another DNF that could uh, have a massive consequence on the entire season. Um, he DNF'd in Spain. He's got Monaco this week and he's not exactly had the best of memories at Baku. So I feel like this could be a massive race for Leclerc. So I've gone with redemption. Um, I think Leclerc will win. Uh, second, I've got Verstappen, and third, I've got Carlos Sainz. For an interesting turn up for the books, I have got the exact same podium as you. I will start in third. I've got Carlos Sainz. I the reason I have majority Ferrari drivers is I think this track suits Ferrari more because Ferrari do have the advantage on Red Bull when it comes to the corners and. This track is a very corner-heavy track and only has one DRS zone for Red Bull to use their straight-line speed. So that's why I've got a more Ferrari-heavy. But, yeah, as you said, third, I've got Sainz. Did get a podium last year in second. Um, In second place, I have Verstappen with, as I said, just I think he will do better than Sainz, but I just think the Ferrari will be better. And then in first place, I've also gone for redemption. Charles Leclerc, he will win a Monaco Grand Prix one day. He will finish a Monaco Grand Prix one day. Hopefully this is the race. He has already got his crash out of the way at Monaco this year when he crashed. uh, I don't remember whose car he was driving, but an iconic driver's car. He's already got his crash out of the way. So, I think it was. Uh, I think it was one of Nicky Lauda's Ferraris. It was. Yeah, you're right. It was one of Nicky Lauda's cars. So he's already crashed a Ferrari. Got it out of the way. He's going to win the Monaco Grand Prix. You've heard it here first. 
but that wraps up our podcast previewing the Monaco Grand Prix. Remember to like, subscribe, comment down below your predictions if you want to stay up to date with what is happening at the Scenario 7 podcast. Our links are in the description. Thank you for listening and we'll see you in the next one.